Hello and welcome to the British Sitcom History Podcast. This is just another little bit of additional content while we prepare Series 2. This is the audio from a video we put up on our YouTube channel, British Sitcom History, which is part of our Forgotten Sitcom series, in which we look at a sitcom that has been lost to time. So do feel free to go check that out on the YouTube if you want it with video accompaniment. But the audio should see you just fine if that's how you prefer it. Here it is, I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to Forgotten Sitcoms. And today I've got quite an obscure little show for you. Uh, So obscure, in fact, that it's not available on DVD. That's right. Today we are looking at Dog Food Dan and the Carmarthen Cowboy. And when they meet, they tell tall stories of the girls they've wined and dined. And they never recognize the picture of the wife they left behind. Dog food, Dan and the Carmarthen Cowboy. On the scent of man's best friend. All done up like doggies dinners. Like hot readers And that theme tune perhaps should give you some clue as to the quality of this show. It's very memorable. It will get stuck in your head, as it has done mine. But it's also the most basic kind of describe the plot in the lyrics kind of theme song. And ultimately just a bit cheap and tacky. But then it is written by Richard Stilgo and sung by Lonnie Donegan. So I guess that's what you pay for. So, first, a bit of background. Dog Food Dan and the Carmarthen Cowboy is written by David Nobbs, who is, of course, best known as the creator of The Fallen Rise of Reginald Perrin. And like Reginald Perrin, this show started out in another format. It was actually first produced as an hour-long play as part of ITV Playhouse in 1982. And I have heard some rumours that this is available somewhere, that we could see it, but I didn't manage to find it, I couldn't dig it out, so I can't give you a direct comparison to that. However, I can tell you all about the series that was made six years later by the BBC. So first of all, I have to thank whatever mad genius it was who decided to record this on the telly back in 1988, and then 30 years later, digitise it and put it up on YouTube. That sort of long-term thinking is what we need (laughs) in, in the world of sitcom archiving. So thank you to whoever you are. Go and search for it on YouTube if you want to watch it. Obviously, the quality is a bit crap, and the clips I'll be showing here, you're going to get the impression. But I think there's enough there that we can uh, we can get a taste of what the sitcom was actually about. So, as I said, this started out as a play, and converting a play to a sitcom is obviously going to cause you some problems. You know, in sitcom, we want to establish a status quo and then just repeat ad nauseum. Anything that happens in that week's episode is all reset by the end. Whereas with a play, you are presumably working towards some sort of satisfactory endpoint. And Dog Food Dan does have some issues in that area. But let's get back to basics. What is the show about? So the program follows the exploits of two lorry drivers, both of whom are delivering dog food. Dan lives in Hull and delivers dog food to Carmarthen, whereas Aubrey lives in Carmarthen and delivers dog food to Hull. The ridiculousness of this situation, both delivering dog food to where there is clearly already a manufacturer, it's about as close to satire as you're going to get for this show. They do kind of acknowledge the complete pointlessness of their working lives, but we never get much of a realisation from that. 
The title, by the way, I believe comes from their CB handles. Obviously, they're truck drivers, they're on the CB and they're talking to each other. One's called Dog Food Dan, the other's called the Carmarthen Cowboy. And it, it doesn't really come into play in the show much because we have them meeting up at a truck stop cafe and it's more visual. I suspect in the original play or in the original setup, that's a bit more of a thing where they're actually talking to each other on the radio because otherwise the title just doesn't really come across as anything. But the real meat of the show is what they get up to once they reach their destinations, as, unbeknownst to them, they are each carrying on an affair with the other's wife. So Dan, having delivered his dog food, spends the evening in Carmarthen and meets a woman in a nightclub. This turns out to be Aubrey's wife, neglected and lonely because her husband is up in Hull, getting friendly with Dan's wife. Now, I say they're having an affair. Obviously, this is in no way consummated. It never goes past a mustachioed kiss and desperate pleading for more. I guess that's to maintain the moral integrity of the marriages involved. These women are not true philanderers, you understand. They're just neglected. They're just feeling abandoned by their husbands. And it is very much the women who are the controlling factor in that sense, because the men would jump into bed at the drop of a hat. But you know what? As a setup, it's perfectly solid. I can see that working as a play. But as a sitcom, what we get is a three-hour stretch of that one-hour plot with no real ending. So every episode is basically the same. The two men talk to their wives, have nothing in common with them. Then they drive to the other city and spend an evening with the other woman. They also have nothing in common, but because it's new and exciting, that doesn't matter. And that is the major failing of the show. There is no chemistry between anyone. Now, you can understand how the marriages have become stale because they're just not communicating anymore. They've been together a long time. But there has to be some excitement in the affairs. Or how are we going to buy into any of this? Aubrey, the Carmarthen cowboy, is somewhat appealing as a character. He's played by Peter Blake, who finally had that chance as a lead role after playing the sort of wacky supporting roles in Dear John and Agony. In fact, I came across this sitcom. The only reason I even knew it existed was because I was doing some research on Peter Blake, because we covered Dear John as part of the British Sitcom History podcast. Aubrey is an intellectual. He aspires to be something more fulfilling than a lorry driver. In the show, this is represented by him wanting to get on Mastermind, which is slightly unusual, but I can see how that would work in a comedy context. I think it's entirely based on the time that Taxi Driver won Mastermind, and everyone was like, ooh, he won Mastermind, he didn't go to Oxbridge. But the point is, he does aspire to be something more than he is. And you can understand why he's frustrated in his daily life. And his wife, Gwyneth, she's quite tolerant of him, actually. She tries to help him. She tries to join in. And he pushes her away at every turn. But when he meets Helen, he has a chance at a new life. Not long term, of course, as in with her. But when he meets her, he pretends to be an MP. And he presents himself as a very educated and cultured man. I don't even know your name. An iron. What do you do? An iron. I'm the uh, Labour MP for 100 Nod Wells. <laughs> I'm in order to produce a secret report on the reasons for the decline in the fishing industry. A report which will literally explode in the Prime Minister's backside. <laughs> now, Helen knows just little enough to not quite see through him, and it's this fake lifestyle that really appeals to Aubrey, rather than the woman herself. He never acknowledges this as a character, and it's not really clear from the writing if it's deliberate, but I think it has to be. But the lack of exploration makes you think, am I just reading that into it because I'm trying to get something out of this? Dog Food Dan, on the other hand, 
has much lower aspirations. He's a lorry driver also, but one day he dreams of being a driver of abnormal loads, only delivering unusually wide loads and dangerous cargoes. That's his idea of ambition. He can't see beyond his current life, but he knows that there are some people in his job who are more important than him, and he wants to be one of them. It's really quite pathetic, but it's not played as a joke, and I think we are actually supposed to like him and feel for him. But he's also completely undesirable as a person. Uh, one of the major failings of the show is why Gwyneth would want to have an affair with him at all. Dan, we've decided against all that. We've decided. Oh, quite right. Absolutely. Why? You know why. It's nice as it is. If we did that, I'd fall in love with you because you're... Strong and manly. <laughs> and you might fall in love with me because I'm... Smashing. Oh, Dan. And we'd live together and we'd leave our partners and we'd argue... And you'd get cross because I didn't want to go to the pub. And I'd get cross because you kept saying, by the cringe every time I kiss you. <laughs> I didn't know that annoyed you, my family. Well, I mean, what does it mean? Well, it means that I'd rather kiss you than have a fortnight in Skeggy. <laughs> now, I, I can understand how he managed to get married as a younger man and, and maybe uh, since has become obsessed with watching rugby and getting drunk down the pub. And that's why his wife uh, is unsatisfied. But when Gwyneth meets him... He already is all those things, and unlike Aubrey, he doesn't have the capacity to pretend to be something he's not. So at first meeting, sure, it's just the excitement of the unknown, but even within the context of the show itself, this particular couple are shown to have nothing in common, and they just sit silently in a pub with nothing to say to each other. The programme openly acknowledges this, but again, it just does not get explored in any way. There's no consequences to anything, and so none of it really matters. And that's the show. Ultimately, it feels like it has nothing to say. As we near the climax of the series, the women basically test the men by saying, come on then, leave your wife and be with me. And of course, they balk at the idea. That's a bit too real. So even the characters know all this is meaningless. But if we want to have some stakes here, surely we have to believe that these affairs could mean something. Like I say, as a play, I can see that working. We see two affairs transpiring in slightly different ways, but ultimately we understand that the grass isn't greener. That's the message. And the characters reach that conclusion in different ways. I can see how that would work. Although, I'm not quite sure what comes next. Do we see that they go back to their wives and just deal with that? Do they actually make any attempt to improve their lives or in any way? I still feel like I don't know what the ending is here, but, you know, as a study in domestic frustration... Okay, I can see that. A one-hour play, fine. But as a sitcom, we don't even get a satisfying conclusion. We get a kind of half-assed acknowledgement that nobody cares, and then they just carry on as they were, presumably because they were trying to keep things open for a potential second series, but where would you go with it? So that's the content of the show, but a little word about the actors. I think they're all fairly solid for what they're doing here. Peter Blake... I actually think he's a really competent comedy actor. He probably deserved better than he got in his career as a whole. I, I think he definitely should have had that one solid lead that people would remember him for. And this is not it. Malcolm's story as Dan is utterly charmless. But I think that's a deliberate character choice. Why anyone would find him attractive in any way is beyond me. And I don't think the writer believes that either. I, I don't think the writing makes him an attractive person. His catchphrase is... By the cringe. And it's a perfect encapsulation of his character. 
completely meaningless and having no relation to reality. Michael Story has had a very solid career, but like Peter Blake, hasn't got that real standout role. Lizzie Mickery is fairly nondescript as Helen, and I've never seen her in anything else, so I don't want to judge her too harshly. Arbel Jones, on the other hand, as Gwyneth, she really does jump out at me. I, I think she was my favourite one of the lot. She brings a lot to a role that is just as underserved as everyone else, and actually has some sense of emotional truth about her. So, final thoughts? I think there's some potential here, and it's just misjudged. It, 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 well, it just doesn't go anywhere. You could take this setup, put better characters into it, and actually go into the feelings and the emotions a little bit, and you could have something here, and you could make that funny. But instead, we're just concentrating on kind of physical comedy and, and, and nonsense and, and just nothing. I, like, I, don't, I couldn't even tell you what happens in most of the episodes, and I've just watched this. It's, it's that forgettable. The whole thing just lacks ambition. It feels like it's been churned out. But frankly, I think it comes down to the writing. I don't think the writing is good enough. And I, I'm not a massive David Nobbs fan. Like I, I don't think Reginald Perrin particularly works well as a sitcom either, frankly. I can see how that first series would work as a novel. And then uh, the second, third series, uh, the less said about that, the better. So maybe you will get on better with it. It's worth a look. Check an episode out just for the nostalgia of it. Like I say, you can find it on YouTube. It doesn't seem like the BBC is rushing to get their copyright on this one. So give it a try uh, and see how many episodes you get through before you give up. But for now, that is all I have for you. So thank you for watching and come back next time for more Forgotten Sitcoms.